He walked away for a while. And it's been another good place for me to ask you a question. Have you? Have I what? Have you walked away from the ministry for a while? Welcome to New Life. I'm Terry Knight, the pastor here at New Life Community Church. I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in. I trust, as always, that the Lord's going to bless you all over the place as we fellowship together here around the Word of God for the next 28 and a half minutes. We're going to begin a brand new teaching tonight. It's going to deal with the issue of something that I really believe is a missing element in a lot of people's lives. And it deals with the, the subject, the issue of Holy Spirit. What do you know about Holy Spirit and His working in the everyday walking around life of the followers of Christ? I trust that's you. What do you know about Holy Spirit's working in your life? I believe this. Number one, Holy Spirit brings to the follower of Christ a passion for the things of God. And that is the distinction between those who are really faithful to and committed to and seem to have a calling to the work of God as opposed to those who just say, hey, I'm doing my own thing. I'm living out my agenda. I'm going to do what I want to do today. And oh, by the way, at some point in time, I'm going to go to God's heaven. Really? Our text passage for this particular teaching is found in Acts chapter 12. I want to read verse 25 in your hearing, and then we're going to jump right on into this. Don't let this talk about Holy Spirit scare you off. Stay tuned. Acts chapter 12, verse number 25, the New International Version, actually the contemporary English version, uh, puts it like this. And after Barnabas and Saul had done the work they were sent to do, after they had engaged and done this work, they went back to Jerusalem with John, whose other name was Mark. What in the world does that have to do with anything? We're going to find out here in just a sec. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for each one that's turned on this telecast. By whatever means, whether they're listening as a faithful viewer or someone that just stumbled across us by accident, I pray that by your word you would speak to each heart. Help us to know and understand ministry of Holy Spirit in our everyday walking around life. And we'll thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up. God bless. Now let me immediately take you back to Acts chapter 12, verse 25. I'm going to read it for you this time from the contemporary English version. It says it a little bit differently, and it'll provide a springboard for us this morning. It says this, And after Barnabas and Saul had done the work they were sent to do, they went back to Jerusalem with John, whose other name was Mark. That's an interesting Bible study if you want to do this at some point in time. As you go through the New Testament and even the Old Testament, people were given nicknames. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more later in the service or later in the message this morning. But uh, John, his other name was 
Mark. There are nicknames floating around. I trust that you Bible readers, how many Bible readers we have here this morning? Can I get an amen? amen. Don't just believe it, read it, all right? Amen. I trust you Bible readers will recall that the Apostle Paul was purposed by God to engage three distinct missionary endeavors throughout the course of his ministry life. Suffice it to say, that was Paul's calling, that was Paul's gifting. The idea is a very simple one. They would travel from place to place, city to city, region to region, person to person, if you please, and engage the citizens eyeball to eyeball with life, with the life-changing gospel. I trust you've got somewhat of a mental picture that it's not complicated. Without belaboring the point, I do urge you to fathom, if you will, some of the difficulties and some of the challenges that Paul and his entourage, this missionary team, must have faced while they were experiencing these appointments wherever they were. Now, if you have your Bible or you can look at the screen, if you do not, I want to take you to 2 Corinthians with me, chapter 1, verse 8. And I want you to look at this. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. But listen to this. In some versions, Paul says a phrase that he uses quite often, I would not have you ignorant. In other words, I don't want you to remain ignorant. I want you to know something. Look at the first part of verse 8. We think you ought to know. I want to point out to you that Paul did not hide what they were going through, what they had been through. He thought the people needed to know and understand what it was that they had been through. Quite often in today's world, even in the church world, we want to kind of cower back and hide back and, and act like certain things didn't happen. Huh? Paul says, we thank you all to know, dear brothers and sisters. He's talking to the sisters as well. Look at this, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. What kind of trouble? He said, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure, and we thought we would never live through it. In fact, look at verse 9, we expected to die. You understand what was going on in their head? They thought they were getting ready to die. This overwhelmed. Look at this. He says, as a result... We stopped relying on ourselves. Mm. We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. Have you learned that yet? It is a work, isn't it? We learned to rely on God who raises the dead. Listen to verse 10. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We have placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us. Beloved, to even consider the miles that they logged in that process with such archaic transportation is enough to make your head explode. Have you ever pondered the miles that they walked, the miles that they rode on the back of a beast of burden, a donkey or a camel or a horse or something to that effect? They went thousands of miles, sailing on ships and so on and so forth. It's just hard for me to fathom 
that. When we have folks in our world today that can't even jump in one of their seven cars and drive two miles to come to a worship celebration. I can't believe he said that, but he did. How did they continue on this way? Because, beloved, their calling was certain, and they were determined to pursue it. The calling was certain, and they were determined to pursue it. I made it to number one on your study notes. If you're new to New Life, we fill these in. Fill this in with me. I believe this. That's why I preach it to you. Holy Spirit of God brings to the saint of God just such a passion for the pursuit of the things of God. That passion that Paul and his team had that we read about as all of these travels, all of these experiences, I believe that it was Holy Spirit of God that brought that passion to them to pursue these things of God. Now watch this. I need to qualify that. The fire, that fire can be quenched. How many of you know the fire can be quenched? And the Spirit, Holy Spirit moving in one's life can be grieved. It can be grieved by a disobedient, even a slothful, lazy, ambivalent attitude. Oh, it don't matter what I do over there. Nobody cares anyhow. I'll just kind of be a knucklehead. Can I be an encouragement to you? Do not allow for a grievous, slothful, lazy, ambivalent, disobedient attitude toward the things of God. It will not turn out good for you, whoever you are. It will not turn out good. On the other hand, and this is something that I trust will encourage you, when yielded, when you yield your life, your life, when yielded to, God's purpose and plan is yielded to. It can, your life can be as fulfilled and as fulfilling as that of these very apostles that we read about. Pastor Terry, is that true? Listen to me, or listen with me to 2 Timothy 4 and verse number 8. Now there is in store for me, Paul speaking, he writes to Timothy, there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And you may be thinking, well, that's Paul. What's that have to do with me? Look at the latter part of the verse. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And I would say to you this morning very simply, do you. Do I what, Pastor Terry? Do you long for the appearing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Do you long for that? Or are you one of these that's kind of like, Lord, don't come today. Oh, you know what I've got to do. I've got big plans this afternoon. Lord, and you know Dallas is playing. Lord, don't come today. Why, don't come. Or are you longing for the coming of the Lord? I trust you are. Paul wasn't alone in this enterprise. Barnabas was on the team. And also a very young John Mark. Now fill in number two with me. Let me give you a little background. John Mark, often just called Mark, is the author of the Gospel of Mark. It's very important that you understand this. John Mark, often called Mark, is a human instrument that gave us the gospel of Mark. His 
mama. His mother was one of the, the Bible Marys. There are bukus of them, but his mom was one of them. The Mary that's mentioned in Acts chapter 12, watch this. Her house was uh, being used as a place for the believers to gather and pray. What were they doing? How did they do it? I know you don't want to say that out loud. What, what were they doing? And, and how? They gathered together to pray. Hi, I wonder if there's something to that, church. That's what was going on at Sister Mary's house. Mark was a companion. Well, actually more than a companion, but he was a companion of Barnabas and Paul on this first missionary journey. You can read about that in Acts chapter 12. He was also Barnabas' cousin. Oh, cuz. Is it's very important for you to remember that. I believe, and, and Colossians chapter 4 confirms that for us, I believe that that has to be a significant point. Mark and Barnabas were family. Say they were family. They were family. However, number three on your study notes, fill us in with me. Mark did not stay through the entire trip. He didn't stay through the whole trip. Rather, he deserted the team. And I have in brackets in your study notes, and I'm suggesting this to you. He deserted the ministry is what he deserted. He didn't just desert, uh, uh, run away from Paul and Barnabas and those guys. It wasn't a personal thing. It was the ministry that he walked away from. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Now, I want you to ponder that. I've already told you that he's a human instrument that gave us the gospel according to St. Mark. Now, here's some days well before that. Think about this. He walked away, leaving the team shorthanded. Is that true? Watch this. Some scholars surmise, and I'm neither a scholar nor the son of a scholar, but some scholars surmise that the naked streaker, and you can read about this in Mark chapter 14, but some surmise that the naked streaker referenced in Mark 14 is actually John Mark. Now, I'm not going to say any more than, than that at this particular time. You go back and check that out and see what I'm talking about. But if that be true, there would be some indication that little Mark, young Mark, very young at that time, had a history of fleeing the scene. Are you with me? We're not told why Mark deserted. We're not told why. But we do know this. I'm in Acts chapter 13, if you want to glance at that. His departure came right after a mostly fruitless time in Cyprus. Only one conversion was recorded in Cyprus. Was that worth the trip? Was that worth the trip? Thank you. Are y'all still here? Wave at me if you're still here. Did somebody poke your neighbor and make sure they didn't pass away right in the middle of my introduction? Only one conversion recorded. Also, watch this. There had been strong demonic opposition toward the team from Elimus, the sorcerer. Oh, yeah, there were some sorcerers back then, and the Bible records these instances. Now, here's a question for you. 
Could it be, could it be that young John Mark was discouraged by the rigors of ministry? How many of you by an amen have ever been involved in ministry? Does it get rigorous sometimes? Say amen. Yes, it does. Is it possible to be discouraged with that? Yeah, I understand the elation of coming together with a team and working and seeing things happen. But sometimes things happen, it can be discouraging. Am I right? Is it possible that John Mark was discouraged by the rigors of ministry, especially this dingbat Elemus, this sorcerer that was coming against the team? Now, we don't know. I'm speculating, but here's what we do know. We do know he walked away for a while. He walked away for a while. And it's been another good place for me to ask you a question. Have you? Have I what? Have you walked away from the ministry for a while? Have you? And check this out. There are different ways to walk away from the ministry. We seem to think about and talk about the physical aspect mostly. But how many of you know before the physical walking out takes place, there is usually, typically, almost always an, a spiritual or an emotional checking out. You check out before you walk out. I'm trying to help somebody. Are you getting this? I always wondered why I walked away. There's usually a uh, an emotional or a spiritual checking out before the walking out. All right, that's a little bit of background. Let me just insert this real quick, like just fast forward a, a later time, several days, months from this time. Paul was prompted to set out on another missionary tour, another missionary journey. And he apparently talked with Barnabas about that, and Barnabas agreed to go with him. However, Barnabas also insisted that they take Cuz along with them. Paul, I think we need to take Cousin Mark along with us. You know, the deserter. You know, the quitter. You know, the one that checked out that Mark. Paul didn't like that notion. Citing Mark's previous desertion we're already number four check this out Paul thought it best not to have a quitter on the team now you Bible readers will know and understand and I've given you a lot of background to the the passage that I'm about to cite but you'll re remember that this brought about a sharp disagreement and the Bible is very emphatic about that not just a little little minor bumping of it. There, there was a sharp disagreement between Paul and Barnabas at this point. Hey, hear me out. Who are we talking about? We're talking about two of the leading church authorities that are presented to us in the New Testament. Done had a falling out up in here. That's not supposed to happen. Am I right? I hear it all the time in the community. That's not supposed to happen in the church. How do you know? Are you in the church? You might not know what goes on in church until you show up here for a little while. Well, this happened. I know it wasn't supposed to, but it happened. 
a disagreement so intense that it served Paul to go one direction and Barnabas the other. Watch this. When Paul went one direction and Barnabas went the other, they were still serving God Almighty and pursuing His business and calling for their life. Huh? Well, that's kind of weird. I've never seen a falling out like that before. You may not have, but that's what happened here. And as you might know, Barnabas took his cousin Mark along. It would appear as though Barnabas, by the way, uh, Acts chapter 4 it is, clues us in that Barnabas wasn't Barnabas' name. Did you know that? His name was Joseph. Joseph. His nickname was Barnabas. I told you I'd tell you some more about this a little bit later. How do you like that? Joseph, nicknamed Barnabas. What does Barnabas mean? It means son of consolation. Barnabas was an encourager. Do you know anybody like that? You love to see them coming. Now, I know there's some people, when you come around the, uh, the aisle at Walmart, you see me, you want to boogity, boogity, boogity the other way. But there's some people, when you see them coming, you're like, you know, I know they're going to pour something good into me. They're an encourager. And old Joseph was such an encourager that they nicknamed him the encourager. He probably had a T-shirt with a big E on it. The encourager. That was Barnabas. Barnabas apparently desired to forgive John Mark's failure and to give him another chance. To give him another chance. Wow. Do you know anybody like that willing to give you another chance? And then maybe another chance? And then maybe another chance? Well, that was Barnabas. No doubt, hear me out on this, I just want to touch on this real quick. No doubt, Paul saw John Mark as a risk for their mission. And I would suggest to you he was probably right. He was probably right. I would suggest to you that Paul was more concerned with the masses of the church than he was with one immature person. And I would say to you that I can see good arguments on both sides of that age-old dilemma. But I want you to understand some of the spiritual gifting going on here. Paul was seeing this through his spiritual gifting, his filter. He was seeing it from a leadership perspective. How many of you know leaders think different than normal people? Or I'd say other people, not normal. Because you know, we'd all be in trouble if that be the case. Can I get an amen right there? And obviously, Joseph was looking at this through the filter of his gifting, his gift of encouraging and mercy and, and those sorts of things. Can I say to you this morning, both of them were right? Both of them were right. Beloved, we're going to cut in right there. There's more. We'll look forward to sharing this with you on the next session of New Life Telecast. But let me conclude this way. Have you gotten discouraged and walked away from the ministry? Now listen, I'm speaking to someone now. Please don't turn, tune me off. I know sometime or turn me off. Sometimes when we get down to this part of the program, it's really easy to cut it off and go to the refrigerator and get ready for the next program. 
but I believe Holy Spirit has you here for a reason. Have you been discouraged and walked away? Listen, I am a 65-year veteran of the church, 65-year veteran of the church, been pastoring for over 42 years. I've seen it all, trust me. The good, the bad, the ugly, the smelly, I've seen it all. And here's my question. Why is it that some go through difficulties? And trust me, I could tell you about some tremendous difficulties. Why is it that some go through the difficulties and remain steadfast? Others have just a spiritual hangnail, if you please. Somebody looks at them cross-eyed or crossways, and they walk away, and their testimony about the church is, I'm having nothing to do with that, that old bunch of hypocrites down at the church. Somebody hurt me. What is the difference between the two? I believe we begin to address it in this teaching, and it's the sweet work of Holy Spirit in one's life. What do you know about Holy Spirit? You begin to understand as we get into this story from Acts chapter 12 that there was some uh, contention going on, there was some battling going on, there were some trials and tribulations going on, and yet God's people remain steadfast. I trust that's what you want. You want to remain steadfast, not walking around sulking, hurt, bitter, discouraged, downtrodden, but you want to be victorious and continuing to march forward in your everyday walking around life. This teaching is helping you to know how, to understand how to do that and where the power comes from to continue on. I trust you'll continue to listen. Father, I thank you for each one listening in right now, and I pray that by your word, through Holy Spirit, that you would draw us to yourself. Help us to know and understand that there is power available from you to enable us to engage this everyday life with victory, with power, even over hurt and discouragement and spiritual temptations and trials and tribulations. I pray for that one right now that has been discouraged, no doubt most of this audience. I pray, Lord, that they would look beyond the discouragement to your encouragement and that they would be filled with courage and rise up and release your spirit to work in them and through them to others in the days to come. We pray, we ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. And listen, if you've been discouraged, there's someone who cares. There is the real body of Christ. And I'm not talking about a particular denomination. I'm not here to beat up your movement or to beat up that movement, but to help you to find the movement, which is Jesus Christ through the Word of God. Find that place. Find those people. Settle in. Get to know them. Rub elbows with them. And find the strength and courage you need to enable you to be victorious in your everyday walking around life. I believe New Life Community Church is just such a place. We do have a regular schedule of activities Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities, and this is very important. We have care and compassion groups, C&C groups we call them, that meet on Wednesday, the adults, that is. And it's a, a place of prayer, a place of sharing, a place of community, a place where we can live out the one another commands. That's on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. We'd love to see you, have you for any and all of these times. Let me tell you where New Life is located. We are located at 415 Micah Road here on the outskirts of beautiful Ridgeway, Virginia. We're easy to find. If you can find Clarence's Steakhouse, you turn left if you're headed south on 220 and you go up Micah Road about half a mile 
and look left, and there's that big old building, New Life Community Church. We'd love to have you. My time is completely gone. I must get out of here. It's been great being with you. Trust you're going to have a great week, what's left of it. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?